Welcome to the Glenn McIntosh Show. I'm Glenn McIntosh, author, YouTuber, developer of transformational online programs you can do all over the world, and psychologist who is super passionate about eating, physical activity, weight, and body image. Please join me for inspiring conversations with world leaders as they share innovative ideas based on the latest scientific evidence and their rich personal experiences. We dive deep, exploring all of the subtleties so you understand exactly how to make peace with food, find joy in moving your body, embrace a positive body image, and generally just kill it at life. You'll also hear some podcastable parts of my Q&A video series, Thursday Therapy, and a bunch of other cool stuff I know you'll love. Whether you're tuning in for yourself or you're a health professional looking to better support those you serve, welcome to the Glenn McIntosh Show. This episode is brought to you by Peter Stapleton's new book, The Science Behind Tapping. Peter, who you're about to hear from, is the world's leading researcher in tapping for food cravings and weight management and is widely regarded as one of the leading tapping researchers in the world, having conducted studies not only on food cravings, but also for chronic pain, stress management, and classroom anxiety for school kids. Peter's research is what initially introduced me to this rather different but extremely powerful technique almost a decade ago. And her scientific research is really bringing tapping on a journey from alternative therapy to scientifically validated one. I'm reading the book now, which beautifully summarizes the science around tapping for a variety of issues in a way that everyday people can understand, as well as teaching you about the technique itself and how you can apply it to yourself. You can get the science behind tapping from Peter's website, www.peterstapleton.com or from Amazon, Booktopia or your local bookstore. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really loving the journey and enjoying taking you on the ride with me. Today's episode features Peter Stapleton, who I've come to know pretty well over the last 10 years or so. As a professor-level researcher and Emotional Freedom Techniques master trainer, she is an absolute expert in this stuff, and she's just this super brainy ball of positive energy. So as you do when you speak with Peter, we had quite the conversation. Even though I'm really familiar with tapping and the research on it, it was still mind-blowing, as it is every time just sitting down with her for an hour and catching up on the state of EFT as a therapy and all of the benefits that science is starting to show it can have for a whole variety of issues. I know you'll find it as inspiring as I did, so let me invite you to join in on our conversation. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, and today we are in for a treat. We have the one and only Dr. Peter Stapleton. Dr. Stapleton has had 20 years of experience as a registered clinical and health psychologist, and is currently an associate professor in psychology at Bond University here in Australia. She is a world-leading researcher in EFT, or tapping as it's also known, and has established herself as one of Australia's online leading health professionals. Her research focuses on psychological trials into new therapies in the area of eating and weight management, 
One of her most significant contributions in her professional life has been to lead a world-first randomised clinical trial investigating the effectiveness of EFT on food cravings in people who live in larger bodies. That was actually the study that put uh, Peter in my radar, and we'll talk a bit about that later. Uh, Peter runs workshops throughout Australia and uh, is internationally certified in teaching health professionals EFT. Uh, She's one of only three, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, three EFT universe trainers in the Southern Hemisphere. And so she's responsible for teaching many Australian health professionals, including yours truly, Uh, you poor thing, Peter. Uh, (laughs) She's currently in the process of writing her third published book called The Science Behind Tapping, which we are going to talk about, and that's set to be uh, released in 2019. So, Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, Glenn, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. It's like chatting to an old mate. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> we go we are, way back. We are old mates now. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Thank Des- you. Despite my formal invitation to for you to join the show. Very formal email. Yes, Very yes. formal. Yes, for, yeah. for all of our listeners, uh, I, I did uh, cut and paste a few emails out to, to people who I wanted to come on the show. And so poor Peter, who I've known for oh probably the better part of 10 years now, you got the yeah. most formally worded email. You're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, Peter, one thing that I want to do on this show is I want to remind everyone that the health professionals that are working with them, there are people behind those health professionals. I think otherwise it gets a bit weird if we don't. So I wanted to ask you a personal question, not too personal. Mm. I am starting to run and I know you're into running. I cancelled my gym membership because I'm like, I'm sick of that for the moment and I'm all about exercise that you enjoy. Your friend Tara Diversi from Bond Uni said to me, I saw this. (laughs) Let's go and run a marathon together. I'm like, Tara, the most I've ever (gasps) ran in my life was about probably 10Ks. Um, Wow. I'm not a runner. There's some. There's a limiting belief for you, but yes. I just want. I know you are a runner, and I just want to know what you get out of it, and if you have any tips for me. Oh, most definitely. I would have to say I'm not a runner either. Ah. <laughs> so, no, not a runner. Not certainly not a natural looking runner either. <laughs> what do I get out of it? I guess part of, and I've only been running maybe for the last eight years, so <laughs> it's not something I've done my whole life. It was something. About eight years ago, I'd finished having my family, wanted to do something, was over the gym scene, same Mm -hmm. as you, and thought, you know what, running's free. You can do it anywhere. Uh, You don't need much equipment. And I really wasn't natural at physical education at school. So it was a bit of a challenge to overcome, to Mm -hmm. kind of go, well, I could be sporty because people think of me as an academic, you know, (laughs) so I'm like, I could be sporty. (laughs) So I guess sometimes I still struggle with, yeah, like anyone, you know, the motivation to go train or do whatever if you've got something coming up that you might be going in, like a fun run or something. But I really enjoy the feeling after I finish having a run. Mm-hmm. So I focus with the end in mind. And um. I just, yeah, I, I don't necessarily enjoy aspects of the running because, you know, if you ever want to hear what negative thinking you have, go for a run. <laughs> it's like every thought comes out, even the most positive amongst us. So. Yeah. There's That's all your tapping great. targets. You go yeah, on and run and figure out what you need to tap on. I've tapped and run before. So, but <laughs> focus with the end in mind. I really quite like, you know, I feel good afterwards. And obviously, that's your endorphins that kick in. Focus on uh, that. So, 
I focus on the end. How am yeah. I going to feel in 45 minutes when it's finished? Um, great. And that'll get me out the door. Oh, well, thank you. When I'm at that point of decision, do yes. I or don't I? I'll think about <laughs> the end and I'll get myself out there. Yeah. Yes. And now, speaking of tapping, which is why we're here, can you give us, Peter, because I think you're one of the best people in the world at bringing the science and the theory of tapping into a world, like into a, a way that us normal people can kind of understand. Mm. We, we don't need to talk, I, I suppose, too much about the tapping technique because I know that even you and I, we've got so many uh, videos and uh, mm. articles and, and research available and we'll, we'll provide that, those, uh, those links to everyone uh, in the show notes. Yep. Um, but can you just give us a brief overview of what tapping is? Yeah, sure. So we very much talk about it being a stress regulation technique. So it's self-applied. So whilst we teach it to people that we work with, someone does it on themselves. That's important to realize. It's ultimately a stress management technique. Mm -hmm. You can use it for a variety of things. So what we're doing is we're actually tapping on acupressure points that are on the body. Listeners might be familiar with acupuncture. And at the same time that we tap with two fingers on these pressure points, we voice our concern. So that could be in you know my research space, a food craving. Mm-hmm. That could be anger as a feeling. It could be chronic pain as a feeling. So it's very mindful in that tapping works best when we're very honest about what's happening for us. So we actually have to engage part of the brain to bring up. So it's not a technique of distraction, if you like. So we ultimately describe it as a brief cognitive and somatic stress management intervention tool. So it's just a technique that uses talk therapy, but we have an addition of tapping on pressure points on the body at the same time. Yep, yep. Guys, for those who who don't uh, speak psychologist, the cognitive is the thinking element. There's a thinking Mm. element and the the somatic is a, a physical element, I guess, Peter. Yeah, and it it is what makes it a little bit different to some traditional kind of talk-style therapies or approaches out there where we're actually adding something physical to this technique, but it it then makes it really easy to teach younger, you know, children as well, and um, it's self-applied, so you can do it whenever you want, uh, and you don't necessarily need to be talking to a professional. Yeah, that's the important thing, isn't it, is once you you learn how to do this tapping technique, then you can self-administer it. No one actually taps on you, you tap on yourself. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. And guys, we'll provide um, some some links there uh, on our website and also on Peter's website so you can check out more about the tapping technique. And Peter, we are going to focus because I suppose like you, my area is really eating uh, physical movement, weight and, and body image. So we will <laughs> zoom in on that. But I think it's good for us to sort of zoom out for a second and, and, and look at this tapping technique because this tapping technique is, is being used for, for many things and, and mm. there's, there's research accumulating for it in, in many areas. Can you tell us where we're starting to find out that tapping can be effective in the research? Yeah, most of the research that's really um, had the most done on it have been, apart from our food cravings, because obviously we've got quite a lot in that area, have been post-traumatic stress disorder. So that is a very large research interest in America. So lots of publications to the point of meta-analysis, and we'll get into what that means today. Uh, We've had enough studies done to be able to conclusively say it works for depression as a disorder, also for anxiety as a disorder. And now we've even 
got some other areas that are sort of having enough research done in them beyond food cravings and weight in things like chronic pain, learning concerns with students that might be in high schools, stress, anxiety, those kind of things for students. So we're starting to see it come into health areas too. Uh, We've had studies that have been done on breast cancer sufferers that are using tapping to cope with things like nausea and the effects of chemotherapy. We're having it done for fibromyalgia patients with the coping of their chronic pain. So yeah, we we start to kind of, you know, when we zoom right out, see, oh wow, this technique can actually be applied to so many different areas. And it really underlies how much stress plays a role in all of these conditions, because ultimately that's what we're affecting. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Peter, you're conducting some of that research into to pain and even doing tapping with kids for their learning in the mm. classroom, aren't you? Yes. So we have extended over the last decade into that chronic pain space. So we teach it within a pain program here within the National uh, Federal Health Department. We also have been into schools uh, locally. We're now training teachers worldwide to use it every day as a stress tool in classrooms. And that's um, been hugely important, I guess, you know, um, and appealing to teachers to have a tool. And like you said, we're starting to kind of do more around that stress management area. It really is a, a a wonderful technique that you start to find. I've you know since I, I've started to look at some of the research on it working in in various areas, I've kind of branched out in my own practice to if someone has a bit of pain or if they're experiencing even real physical symptoms. And mm. I think Peter, one of the things that, that I would say to everyone listening is that I am constantly surprised when I try tapping for a new area that it it mm. works so well and I think that would be one thing that I would say to, to all of the, the the listeners is if you're a, a sort of on the edge of whether you go and explore this tapping technique or not just try it with, mm. with, with some of the yeah. material that Peter that you've taught me I know that I'll, I'll t- I do some teaching of, of psychologists and dietitians and they often kind of st- come to the session they're interested in EFT I think everyone's interested in it at the moment but Mm. they're kind of a bit like oh what is this really weird technique Mm. and once you try you see all these surprised faces because it just works and we sort of say look what have you got to lose just by, you know, doing five or 10 minutes worth of this tapping technique. Uh, if, you know, you get a response because there was some stress that was involved in whatever your problem was, well, you're going to be better off. Yeah. So it really is, yeah, have an open mind and kind of go, what have I got to lose? And yeah. I can do it, you know, in secret in my bedroom if I don't want anyone to look at me. You don't <laughs> so have to do it in the supermarket. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do it driving the car, but I'm used to people staring at me now. Well, well actually, Peter, that is, I'm kind of digressing because I did want to ask you this at some stage but we will we will get to talking about um the reality that once you tap on some issues you you generally don't have to continue tapping on those issues for you to be quite clear of them it is a quite a brief therapy but Mm. one thing that i i did want to to ask you is that when i typically work with people i sort of I, i i let them know about that research that once we do a period of tapping once they successfully kind of clear whatever the issue is they're not really going to need to tap on that anymore and that's the people really love that Mm. but I also notice from my experience with um 
people like you. I'll embarrass you a little bit, Peter. Um, sure. Everyone who knows Peter, this is everyone hands down, knows that she is a ball of energy, knows that <laughs> she is an extremely effective academic. She is amazing to work with. She is just a, a wonderful, she's got a beautiful family. Peter, your family is like the uh, Brady Bunch. I'll tell they, them. <laughs> tell, tell the family. I'll tell them, and yep. But but one thing that that I think is strange is that in the tapping community, when you talk to people who who are, are involved in tapping as part of their academia or as part of their career, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of uh, my other tapping mentor, Brad Yates. He's mm, you know, love Brad. yeah. Yep. He's Brad's got. I'm probably exaggerating, but I think a hundred thousand. Um, oh, he does now. He's yeah. reached that on YouTube. 100, yes, thousand YouTube subscribers. So anyone who wants to check out Brad Yates will provide the details of him in the show notes. And I think he's had over a million views, just providing free mm. tapping videos to the world in all sorts of areas. Yep. But he's just the most beautiful man. Hey, I mean, who signs off their emails? Be magnificent. Yes, I know. It's lovely, isn't it? You get an I email from Brad. Brad, you're like, yes, Be magnificent. Brad, I will be magnificent yes. today. Yes, today. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, um, your friend Laurie Layden, who's doing mm. this, this, just this, uh, unbelievable work in the, and just amazingly inspiring work with um, orphan survivors of genocide doing mm, tapping yeah. with them for post-traumatic stress in, in Rwanda and you think these amazingly beautiful people and one thread that I've noticed is someone that's kind of been an outsider joining this community is that everyone is just super lovely and <laughs> I think it's because you guys go beyond the um, just tapping on you know specific things that are real problems and you actually regularly tap so can mm. you give us the secret to that Peter? <laughs> the secret? <laughs> I think I would agree with you like you know I'm in kind of the the world in the thick of it as well. So talk to all these people, you know, even weekly um, and notice the exact same thing that, wow, there's a real lack of egos in a lot mm. of the people that are in the tapping world, mm. either, you know, leaders out there doing their thing and, you know, sharing, you know, the EFT technique. <sighs> and I think part of it is that when we do work with a client, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or we're standing in front of a group and training a group of professionals or running a workshop for lay people, you're actually actively always doing the technique yourself anyway. And there's something unique in tapping that isn't in other therapy techniques, and that's called borrowed benefits. Mm. And it's this lovely term that means when you're tapping with a client or in front of a group, and you might be demonstrating it, or you're just working with someone in their issue as a, you know, volunteer example, <laughs> anything within yourself that might resonate with the words that you're saying for your client also become addressed within you as you're doing the tapping. So you kind of get this double bonus where I could see eight clients in a row without a break and if I'm tapping with all of them, at the end of the day, I don't feel exhausted or fatigued. I actually feel quite clear and, you know, energetic still, which wouldn't normally happen if you're doing standard talk therapy. I don't recommend seeing eight clients in a row. But, but you point, could do it. <laughs> you could do it with tapping. So this borrowed benefits is fantastic and we have had a paper come out to show how this actually happens but because you're actually engaging in the technique and I think that's what happens with Brad every time he makes a YouTube video mm -hmm. even though he's recording it he's actively tapping so he's doing the topic area whatever he is for people listening but anything in him is being addressed at the same time so it's kind of like we get free therapy 
it's, when we run our track. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I just think I just, you know, I don't necessarily have to go home and sit down for four hours and work on my own issues right. if I'm actively using it elsewhere because of borrowed benefits. Fantastic, fantastic. And I think, do you think, Peter, maybe that's part of the reason why so many health professionals are jumping on board with the tapping as well, that it's actually a, it's sort of a breath of fresh air sometimes for, for people that don't want to just sit and talk or practice a, just a thinking strategy, but also the, the, the practitioner feels like they're doing something thing as well. Yeah, I think it's quite an active technique and it does work fast. So their clients give them feedback that, yeah, that worked really quickly and it lasts over time. So obviously get positive reinforcement that, hey, this is a technique that actually does work. I think what also happens, and obviously, you know, I teach at the master's level, is our graduates go out there and, you know, they use all the tools that we've certainly taught them. And then somewhere in the next kind of five to 10 years, they start to kind of look for other tools that they can add to their toolbox yes. because they've been using the ones we taught them, but they're not a one size fits all. Yeah. And especially uh, for things that are a bit heavier, like trauma, and you never know when trauma is going to present itself. So yeah. I think what's happening even in today's kind of current climate is we've got health professionals coming back that have already been out there working for 10, 20 years and kind of going, I need to add something else to my toolbox just in case yes. I can use it. Yeah. Yes. Which is great. It's great that they're that open to doing that. Absolutely. I can I can put myself in that in that boat. I remember Peter when we first launched our um online tapping program and we were doing mm. some advertising around it. And there were um a, a couple of, of people that a couple of psychologists try uh, and we found out that they were trainees psychologists um, who were saying, look, guys, you should just be doing the CBT for this food cravings and weight management. And, and this is the, you know, the gold standard therapy. You shouldn't be doing anything else. And I, I did think to myself, well, I did that myself for four years. And I was think mm. I'd like to see you do four years of just CBT, just having that one tool to work with clients. Mm. It's very difficult for the clients because not all clients like to do it as a lot mm. of hard work involved and it's yep. pretty draining on us health professionals as well. It is and not, and not everyone is able to kind of catch their thoughts and then challenge them and, and change them and we've openly had clients come in and go, I've done that CBT thing before, what else have you got? So they actually have already experienced it and come to you wanting to learn something different. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have any other tools available, no matter what they are, you're kind of stuck as yep. a health professional. So I we just encourage our graduates too that, you know, just over time and when you can, go to other trainings, not just EFT, but add, add. So you have got a big tool bag like, you know, your plumber does or your electrician does. So, you know, you've got a tool when you need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that if I could say this for anyone who is thinking of of learning to do some tapping training with with Peter or with with anyone else who is um, certified through the EFT universe is that it actually fits in beautifully as a a tool to to everything that you already do. So for me as a psychologist working in my space, I I have um, the CBT, I have mindfulness-based therapy, I do some mm. hypnotherapy and I have tapping therapy and it, I, I feel like you just need to almost learn this new framework and then it fits in with all of your existing knowledge. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. Now, Peter, speaking of, I've, I actually, I know you've been um, uh, singing the praises of tapping far and wide in the States recently. Mm. And I heard you talking about tapping being the fourth wave of psychological therapy. So you, you've got to tell me about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was the topic of one of my uh, keynote speeches that I did, and it does feature in the book. So you mentioned in the intro, um, there's a new book, and we can talk about that later, but mm-hmm. coming out um, early 2019. So there is more being fleshed out in one of the chapters about this fourth wave idea. And I guess where I'm coming from is acknowledging, um, you know, therapies build on each other as we learn more, progress, you know, they get trialled out. And so we've really come from a psychodynamic, psychoanalytic age in the first wave, Mm -hmm. lots of that long-term talk therapy, moving into what we then saw as the behaviour therapist that came out in our second wave of approaches. You know, you might have lots and his dogs and Skinner yep. and his rats and and kind of going, all right, what's the antecedent and the consequence to behaviours, those kind of things, but very behaviour. And then our third wave really was our cognitive behaviour therapies where they built on the behaviour therapy by adding in our thought processes mm-hmm. and really teaching people. And there's been, a, you know, a multitude, over 600 um, RCTs, randomised clinical trials, run on CBT across so many conditions that it really is a gold standard. And within that third wave, I guess, in our last decade, we've seen what we would call um, hybrid blends of CBT. So that's some mindfulness, even mindfulness CBT, uh, ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, even things like dialectical behaviour therapy, we see us still sitting in that third wave that's been around. But really what I'm pitching in their fourth wave, which I think we're coming into, uh, well, it's, I think it's already here, is the returning to some of the somatic-based body therapies. Mm-hmm. And I consider EFT as part of one of those because we're somatically tapping on pressure points. Yep. But you would include in that fourth wave EMDR, so the eye desensitization reprocessing therapies that, you know, are now a gold standard too for trauma. Um, you know, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk out of Harvard University has been talking about these somatic approaches for 20 years. And 20 years ago, it was kind of laughed out of the stadium. But mm-hmm. now people are like, oh, I think he was onto something. Uh, and he was using EMDR and EFT 20 years ago. And it so, kind of, it kind of yeah. makes sense, doesn't it, Peter? Because yeah. we're not just, you know, if we look at, um, you know, the, the psychodynamic therapy gives us a great base of understanding that our, our earlier experiences shape who we are and there's a lot of insight that can be gained from that, but the insight doesn't necessarily need lead to a change. No, and, absolutely. And then yeah. it's great to work on our behaviours, but if we work on just that behavioural type therapy, then we ignore the mind. And so then we have now the CBT and the, the ACT and the DBT, which include our mind and emotions, but we kind of then are as as you're talking, I'm thinking we're ignoring the fact that we live in these bodies. Yeah, and I think the fourth wave is bringing the body back. So there's certainly been a lot of you know approaches around for donkeys years, or, you know, that include the body based sort of movement stuff. But at a therapy level, um, you know, seeing it in a talking space with clients, this is the first time I think that we're starting to embrace the idea that the body actually does store emotion, it stores, you know, unprocessed kind of limiting beliefs, that kind of thing. And we might see those surface as physical illness down the Mm -hmm. track, but uh, the body-based therapies are able to get to the root of those and actually much quicker. They're Mm -hmm. actually, they're faster than some of the other approaches, which, um, 
when we're constrained by number of sessions per year is obviously beneficial to have approaches that work faster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know that us as psychologists, we're sort of constrained under the, the mental mm. health care plans here in Australia to do a, um, 10 rebated sessions with people after that. They're often paying with their private health or they're yep. paying just out of their pocket and the therapy becomes expensive. So anything we can do to, to speed up the process is really, really valuable. Yeah, great. And so, Peter, what do you... Why do you think it's, you know, there, there is amassing more and more research for the tapping technique. Um, why do you think it's taking so much time for us to really adopt this kind of approach? Yeah, I think a, a couple of reasons. Um, tapping's been around for a long time, so anyone familiar might know that it, it's been around for 40-odd years. Uh, so it's certainly not a new thing. Uh, Gary Craig, you know, was the one that um, kind of was experimenting way back when with other versions and ultimately put together EFT. What happened, though, in the years that kind of followed was Gary was sharing the technique at the lay public level and just wanted to teach it to people that wanted to learn. But there wasn't any research happening. So the understanding of how it worked was kind of, you know, a bit loose. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, we have only had kind of the last 12 to 15 years worth of studies that have been conducted and published, which actually isn't that long. When you think about, you know, a new therapy, it's actually not as long as what people think. Mm -hmm. The other thing that the American um, Medical Association has suggested is we have what we call a translational gap where when new therapies maybe, you know, come about and start to get explored and used with clients, it takes on average about 17 years for them to be accepted in the mainstream or as an evidence-based approach. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, we're not we haven't reached that point yet with the studies that we've been doing on EFT. So I was the first one 12 years ago that started research here in Australia. Dawson was, Dr. Dawson Church in America was the first one in America that was running research. And then there was some colleagues in the UK, but that was really only been in the last 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. So the suggestion too from the AMA is only 4% of therapies will get accepted. So we've got this 17 year gap and then not all of them are going to be accepted. So it is going to come down to how much research has been tightly and properly conducted yep. for that acceptance to happen. So I do think we're getting close. Like mm -hmm. it'll be in the next five years. Like it's definitely right. We, we say it's at a tipping point. It's a terrible pun, but, you know, no, um, I, yeah, I tapping remember. is at a tipping point. We are at so. a tipping point for tapping. And I suppose yeah. that it's, you know, it's interesting because our our, uh, our the way we do science is not necessarily completely uh, scientific. I mean, we're all people and we all have this confirmatory bias that tends to sort of, mm. you know, pay attention to all of the information that we already know and yep. then ignore the information that's new. So this is a, a process for us to, to kind of shift into these more body-based therapies like tapping, I guess. Yeah, and, and that will happen over time as certainly our new graduates come out of universities and like our lot get taught neuroplasticity and they do get taught EMDR now in their master's program. So mm. they're going to start to graduate over the next you know couple of years with different concepts about approaches to therapy. So I think we will see that acceptance grow. Yeah. And Peter, what about, you, you know, you talk about from an, an academic angle, there's, there's more and more um, quality studies being published, but mm. I know, do, do you get a feel for where things are with tapping? Because I know you do a lot of teaching of health professionals and I also, it seems like 
every time I look around somewhere in the media, you're in a news article or on TV. <laughs> I have, yeah. I, I, the media tapping, yes. The, the, uh, <laughs> guys, P- Peter's trying to get away from me uh, explaining to the world what yes, her mum labels her. <laughs> yes. Are you going to say it? Uh, I don't know, Peter. Who's going to say <laughs> I'll it? I'll say it. So it turns out the media love doing stories on tapping on pressure points on your face. I guess they just think it's highly entertaining. But, of course, you know, they get to interview people that, you know, have overcome their issues. So, and the media in Australia has been really kind to us, so they've certainly let us release all our results. But as you say, sometimes I have my face everywhere and my mother my mother does kindly let me know that I'm a bit of a media tart. So she's like, um, yeah, I was very proud at the same time, but I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll talk. Tone down the uh, media appearances. <laughs> yes. I, I think you had to say that, Peter. I don't know yes, that I can right. call my guests tarts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> you, now, you were asking me what's my general feel. I for, was. Let's get back to yeah, that. Yeah, cool. Um, I can sort of say, and I guess, you know, I've been researching EFT for over 12 years now. And in the early days, because we wanted to let people know what we were finding, we would submit to conferences to present, hope that they accepted you, you know, and then hope people turn up to your talk on the day at the Mm -hmm. conference, that kind of thing. Because we were trying to share it with health professionals that go, um, the media obviously allows you to share it with the general public. What's happened in the last even just year or two is we're starting to be asked now to do keynote speeches at conferences on EFT. Uh, and now that that's kind of an invitation that wasn't happening 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So somewhere people are hearing about the research or the outcomes and then prepared to let you come to a very conservative health-based conference, whatever it might be, and speak about EFT. So I kind of fall off my chair laughing and then accept the offer when it comes <laughs> through. <laughs> and that tells me, and the amount of people that turn up for the trainings, of course, tells you that something's shifting mm-hmm. and we're not necessarily out there begging people to let us, you know, share what we've been doing. They're coming to us now. So to me, there's something that's turning there yeah. and we're embracing that. We're quite happy to obviously go with that and, yeah. and share what, we've, what we're learning. Mm-hmm. I certainly um, find that from our, the experience of our online programs. So uh, Peter and I got together probably about five or six years ago now, Peter, and we, yeah, well. we developed an online version of a tapping for weight management program and we trialed it with about 600 people worldwide and we're, we're still working on it. And, and one of the things I find from that, Peter, I've spoken to you about this before, is that we actually get as much interest from health professionals about doing our tapping program than we do from the general public. So we've actually mm. gone on to create a an actual health professional's version of the tapping for weight management program just because so many people, we'd get at least one or two a week, just um, dietitians, psychologists, uh, health coaches saying, you know, how do we learn this tapping technique? Yeah, it's amazing. And I guess, you know, shows us too that people want solid programs that have been tested for, you know, effectiveness and things like that. And ours has. So, yeah, it really then comes down to, hey, this is, we know this works. Uh, and then they want to learn how to do it. So it's fabulous. 
Yeah, and and so Peter, now I'm I'm actually thinking of can we spend a bit of time just talking about some of the the newer research because I know you've got a, a, yep. a webinar that uh, that we did through the Australian Psychological Society, the interest group of eating, weight, and body image, and we can direct people there. So that talked about uh, your initial study that showed some pretty amazing results in terms of now you it's always weird pretty weird when you're talking to the researcher. You stop me if I'm mm. wrong, Peter. It sure. was a reduction in food craving. Yep. Uh, people felt better emotionally. Yep. They felt like they had more power over food that, rather than the food being in control of them. Mm-hmm. And something that's extremely important to me as a non-diet advocate, their diet mindset actually decreased. And yeah, that was they- just in four weeks, wasn't it? Four weeks of a, mm. a, a trial. And the the, yep. the most interesting thing to me, apart from the diet mindset reducing, because anyone can kind of, oh, and they lost a little bit of weight as well. Um, yep. Anyone can lose a bit of weight in a lot. There's a million things you could do. But to, to do that and reduce your dieting mindset rather than increase your dieting mindset, which we know is linked with weight regain and body image issues and eating disorders, but to reduce that diet mindset and then to have uh, those benefits, including weight loss that that actually continues after that very short treatment, that's what kind of really excited me. Yeah, we always do a year, minimum a year's follow-up after we run a trial. And that's where we really can see that a year down the track, all those variables that you're talking about were still changed. They didn't default back to before, you know, the four-week program, that kind of thing. So they still were describing zero food cravings, zero anxiety, depression symptoms had, you know, declined as well. Um, Their restraint, that willpower that you're talking about was still, you know, significantly low, not needed, um, and their power of food was increased. So a year later, it was still the effects were still there. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's so amazing cool. to see. Yeah. And then I know you, you've you've also published another study comparing EFT to CBT and finding mm-hmm. that it's it works at least as well as the CBT. So we'll provide all of the the details um, uh, on on uh, in the show notes of that study. But that was pretty cool to find that it's 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 at least on par with the cognitive behavior therapy, which is at the moment the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um. But when you were was telling when when we were talking about those lasting benefits, what I'm really interested in, and I think that um, that our audience is going to be really interested in this, is that often when you do the tapping technique, like that first trial, it just went for for four weeks, and then people had these benefits that lasted ongoing and actually either stayed the same or increased over time. Uh, and and that kind of fits with what we know about the the tapping changing the brain, but we're starting mm. to actually understand why the tapping technique has such lasting benefits for such a, a brief therapy. So can you tell us what you can about that? Yeah, sure. And it, I've written about this in the book as well in a lot more detail. Cool. What we've learnt from, and it really came out of the trauma research literature, um, because we were wondering how, why do these body-based somatic things, you know, kind of have the same effect for trauma or PTSD symptoms that once you address it, you don't get re-traumatized or you don't, have, you know, have the same symptoms. So it really comes out of Dr. Bruce Ecker's work, if anyone wants to look up his research. That's is, Bruce Ecker, is it? Yeah, E-C-K-E-R, Bruce Ecker. Okay. So what Bruce was investigating a couple of years ago was the phenomenon that we're talking about but in trauma, where he boiled it down to three things that resulted in what we call 
memory reconsolidation because that is actually what's happening even when we're doing it for a food craving that after we do tapping in the moment what happens in the brain is there's sort of this space this time frame if you like that allows the brain to reconsolidate and medication trials have shown that that window is about four to six hours after you do an intervention so you kind of got this window in the brain where it's wide open and it's probably the same with hypnosis glenn it's wide open to re consolidate its neurological connections and form a different pathway. So we call that memory reconsolidation. So Bruce said... So Peter, the- can I, sorry, can yeah. I interrupt you? And you might need to talk me through this like I'm a, a four-year-old. <laughs> okay. But this is, so when you say memory reconsolidation, it's, it's mm. we can, can we kind of in a lay way think of this as a, a time where the mind is, is uh, or the brain is open to sort of forming new neuronal pathways? Yes, on whatever that, we just call it the memory, but whatever it was that you're actually addressing. So uh, when you've done your intervention, that could be anything. It could be hypnosis, tapping, EMDR, whatever. Mm -hmm. You get this period of time where the brain is quite open to a new kind of message, belief, whatever it is, new emotion to be laid down. Yeah. And we call Which that is very mem- cool. Oh, it's so cool. We call it's that very- memory reconsolidation. Yes. So you got this window. So we're like, okay, we got about four to six hours. <laughs> but here's the three steps that really must be done in order for it to happen. Okay. And this just came out of Bruce's work. So number one, this first step really is you must engage with the very thing that you're trying to change. And that for often is kind of a distressed feeling, if you like. For us, it's actually the food craving. So we have people bring their food in and sniff it and smell it and lick it and really get the feeling of the food craving high. So step one is you must actually have it present itself so it's right. you can't be avoiding anything for this memory reconsolidation to work yeah. so that's a lot of peter from my experience that's a lot of when people um go to do the tapping after i sort of show them the technique when people go <laughs> to do it at home that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls is that they're not actually really addressing whatever it is that's going on whether it is the food craving or that specific thing that really stressed and upset them or that traumatic memory mm. so you're saying you have to really get into that that space which is often an unpleasant space it is and i and i think on that note when someone just googles tapping and finds a youtube video and starts to do tapping Mm. without any support sometimes they actually can get into that really quickly and not realize what's happening and get flooded and overwhelmed and sort of go oh tapping doesn't work Mm -hmm. not realizing actually what is happening is that first step but you've got to kind of follow through with the next two steps so sometimes people do walk away kind of going oh i don't believe in that tapping thing because they've been overwhelmed after Uh a few rounds of tapping Uh when actually it is working so yeah i suppose that that highlights another point that people always ask about this is why are when we tapping, why when we're tapping, are we often saying these negative statements? We're mm. tapping and we're focusing. It's very it's almost the opposite of the positive thinking therapy that we're taught. Mm. We're actually really addressing all of the the negative stuff or the stuff that we want to get rid of or the unpleasant stuff. 
Yeah, and you're right. It sounds odd. We're actually saying our problems. And what we say is you're actually stating the truth. So you're actually stating exactly, you're acknowledging maybe for the first time what is actually bothering you or going on for you. So we're not reframing it. We're not avoiding it. We're not changing it into a positive. We actually want the amygdala to engage that stress response for this very first step of this kind of ability to change it in the brain so okay, so what's it does two? make it different all right step two so what step one is you've engaged briefly enough to bring it up mm-hmm. so you've got your distress going on mm-hmm. step two is you must do an opposite reaction intervention whatever you want to call it to counter the distressed feeling because it turns out that your brain cannot do a distressed feeling and an opposite feeling. And obviously an opposite feeling would be a calming one. Wow, yeah. Your brain can't process both messages at the same time. You can't be stressed and calm at the same time. No. So Bruce's work has suggested that step three is just repeated a few times. So, right? So step one or two are the most important ones. Step three is just keep repeating it. So it doesn't have to be tapping. And, of course, you know, we teach our students this. As long as it is a strategy that is a complete kind of opposite of what Mm -hmm. you're currently feeling, Mm -hmm. and that could be bursting into laughter for some people or it could be you know, discharging the anger through dancing. Like it's got to be the opposite to what you're currently feeling. And you repeat it a few times to get get it happening in your brain. And, of course, with our tapping, what we understand is the tapping on the pressure points is like acupuncture and it sends the calming response back Mm -hmm. to the amygdala, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite to what we're feeling, even a food craving. Just to be clear, we're not, we're still not distracting ourselves we're being mindful of that issue and having the opposite reaction because when you said that i thought oh maybe i could do like say if i've got a stressful thing i like Mm. to exercise but when i'm exercising i'm not actually engaging from the problem i'm sort of disengaging so it's a different thing yeah Yeah. what you've got to remember in that step too is you still have to keep the feeling going the negative feeling yes so that's where it's not distraction so in tapping we keep saying out loud our problem so we keep engaging in I'm angry I'm angry I'm angry as we tap so actually continuing to engage and what happens is calm always wins so the anger starts to drop off and a client starts to look at you like I don't feel angry anymore and you're like okay because they keep the tapping going so then we get this period where the brain opens up a different belief memory feeling can be wired in and often because they're in a calm state then that's what kind of changes the brain over time and a year later we say so how's your food craving and they go what food craving because <laughs> that's one of the freaky things <laughs> yeah. in your study peter freaky. That, uh, Very that people, well, now we know why it happens <laughs> yeah they yes. forgot their most craved foods they forgot because <laughs> the brain doesn't even have it as a you know message anymore so amazing and it, peter it, you have to tell me we um there's not a there's not too much brain research as some but you've you're actually adding to the brain research because you say it's the same area of the brain that's affected whether it's post-traumatic stress or something that's stressing you in the moment or upsetting you or a food craving so can what can you tell us about the um the study that you've done with the Mm. brain scans and the food cravings yeah, so 2017 last year we um, were able to kind of, you know, raise enough funding and access uh, an MRI machine uh, in order to scan people's brains. Of course, we stayed in the area of overweight and obese adults just to help them out with their food cravings. So we had 15 um, patients in the end. So we scanned them, we 
the software we used converted the MRI machine to an fMRI machine, which is functional magnetic resonance imaging, which measures blood flow to areas in the brain, blood flow. So when oxygen increases blood flow to areas of the brain, you see it as as a signal Mm -hmm. on a brain scan. So what we did was we we did a randomization. So in the end, 10 people were in the EFT arm of the trial and five people were in the control condition that didn't get any intervention. So all 15 of them came in, had a brain scan inside one of those MRI machines. And when they were in there, you've got to lie perfectly still, but they were wearing a headset and they were able to look at six rotating images of food and drink that were high calorie, obviously attractive junk food items. And we asked them to imagine eating and drinking them over six minutes. So they kind of cycled through um, just for a couple of seconds each, but so that we got a really good kind of picture of what does the brain do when you look at images of food. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did that, obviously finished their scan, and then the EFT group went off and had four weeks, two hours a week, four weeks of tapping for food cravings. Uh, The control group didn't get any intervention. And at the end of all of that treatment, all 15 of them came back and we scanned them again with the same pictures on the headset so that they could look and imagine eating them. Mm -hmm. So we had brain scans of what activated looking at food. And obviously, these studies have been done before. Mm -hmm. Uh, What happens when you look at an image of food, especially if you're hungry? is areas of reward and deprivation activate. So we could see that as a signal on the scans. And they also knew that they were about to go and tap on their food cravings. So obviously they were a bit worried about that. (laughs) So we could see those parts of the brain lighting up with food. What happened five weeks down the track after they'd had their intervention is the EFT group barely had any activation on their scans and the control group still had the exact same amount. So if you do nothing for a food craving, your brain still lights up exactly the same way. But the EFT group, all of the 10 people that we scanned were the same. They all were looking, yawning, going, this is so boring, literally no impact in the brain of looking at these food images. No excitement, no emotional response to the food. No, we had to make sure they hadn't fallen asleep because we're like, there's nothing happening here. (laughs) Um, It was phenomenal because we thought we might see it in you know one or two but all 10 of them they were exactly the same yeah they're looking at those same images of food and whereas five weeks earlier their brains were kind of lighting up like christmas trees this time it's hard to tell that they're around and they even were walking out and saying to us oh i feel a bit unwell now you know Mm. don't feel like eating at all so that kind of their emotional state matched the fact that their brain actually didn't have any activation so that's uh, we are publishing that at the moment and then of course people will be able to see the brain scans in journal article yeah guys you when we no matter when we get these brain scans we're going to put them into the show notes so if you if you see them before the brain scans are available you'll see a little coming soon but the second we can get them to you (laughs) i think you and five other websites will have them all over the place i I, um i uh 
guys chaired the uh, Mind Heart Connect conference and Peter was one of the keynote speakers and uh, she's been very protective of these brain images because they, <laughs> they are just be. amazing. <laughs> yep. yeah. uh, gotcha, yep. gotcha. And, um, yep. But, but uh, we're able to see the brains. We can't have them so we can't show them to you yet but it is just amazing to see the, the before mm-hmm. and after uh, and you can really see in one that the brain is lit up like a Christmas tree and in the other it's just there's no activation on seeing those same people and they were pictures, Peter, of like high salt, high fat, mm. high sugar type foods. Very, yeah, very like hamburgers and fries and chocolate chip cookies and sundaes and ice creams. They were all those kind of images that we know people come to our food trials wanting to kind of give up the craving for. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And um, and what we'll also do um, for everyone watching too is um, Peter and I, well, Peter really, supported by our team, has, um, has conducted some trials into the online version of the Tapping for Weight Management program. So that's been a really cool thing to uh, – that's in, in publication at the moment, isn't it, Peter? Yes, it is. Yep. yep. So we we actually have two comparisons. So one, we're publishing the online trial and we've done a two-year follow-up on, on those people worldwide. And we've also compared the online trial with people that attended in person and mm-hmm. that's under publication at the moment as well where we wanted to know whether or not – the online people could get the same effects as turning up in person and turns out it's almost identical, the amount of, um, yeah. And there is a third one. I might just throw it in there that Mm. we've we've actually just had this accepted yesterday. Uh, We compared our four-week EFT trials to our eight-week trials and we compared the data to see the outcomes and the four-week is able to achieve exactly the same outcomes as the eight-week, meaning wow. that if time was obviously of an essence, you you can, in the food craving space, just because of what we teach, um, the four-week is just as effective, Absolutely. which is good. It's good news in case people you know don't have eight weeks available. Absolutely. It's good to know that it works as a very, very brief therapy and also that it, um, that it works online, I think. I think our our trial is that we thought it was the first um, sort of tapping for weight management online trial, but I think it is the, you know, we haven't been able to find, unless you have, Peter, any mm. other online tapping trials to date. So um, I think that's really exciting that we can sort of show that people can learn this technique purely mm. online. Yes, absolutely. Yep, great. And, and guys, we will provide uh, the details to the online program. Actually, I'll give it to you now. It's if you go to www.thelongestemailwebsiteintheworldweightmanagementpsychology.com.au. So W-E-I-G-H-T-M-A-N-A-G-E-M-E-N-T, psychology, P-S-Y-C-H-O-L-O-G-Y.com.au slash online courses slash tapping for weight management uh so if you go there or if you just go to our website or which is just www.weightmanagementpsychology.com.au or if you go to peter's website which is just www.peterstapleton.com so it's p-e-t-a-s-t-a-p-l-e-t-o-n.com you can have a look at uh, that program as well fantastic 
So Peter, I wanted to before I, I want to talk to you about your book and exactly what is in mm. the book because I think that we are ready for a book on the science <laughs> we of need tapping. A book. We yes. need a book. There's books yes. on tapping for for lots of different areas. There's books on how to tap, mm. but I think that my personal belief, and I'm I suppose I'm biased because I'm an allied health professional, is that the research and the science of tapping is what is creating this tipping point and and starting to bring it into to the mainstream. But before we get to that, um, I've got a few questions just from our audience in the our um our psychology of eating, movement, weight, and body image support group, and we'll provide the the links to that too, guys. If you are if you want to join that group, it's a lovely group of about three thousand people now, and we just nurture and support without judging. It's for anyone who's interested in changing their eating their physical movement and talking about weight and body image. But they Mm. had a few questions for you, Peter. Go. go. Okay. So um, let's start with the first one because we've already talked a little bit about the the statements and why we say the statements. Um, So Lita asks, uh, knowing what to say is my biggest challenge with the tapping. And and Heather asks a similar one who says, I have trouble like f- working out what I need to say. Then I have trouble remembering what I've decided to say. <laughs> so my okay. question is, you know, what, what's the, why do we talk while we tap? And, um, and, and how do I try and work out what the theme is that I should tap on? Yeah, okay. So we'll start there. If as much as possible you can just say what you feel, how you feel, that'll get you started. Yep. So if there's a situation going on in- I don't know, it's bothering you. Just see if you can actually just label the feeling because mm-hmm. you could just say that when you tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, give it a number out of 10. We always sort of rate the intensity so we know that it's kind of changing as we tap. But if they can just nut it down, even to the one word, I feel stressed, mm-hmm. then that's enough. Just do it on that. Mm-hmm. If for whatever reason you can't describe the feeling, we say to people, just say this feeling that I have. Yep. So you don't even need to, because you know internally yep. that you've got the feeling. Words are so, really, Peter, just to help you to connect with the feeling, aren't they? It is. And the reason we say it out loud is just to keep us focused so that we don't drift off in our thoughts and yep. become distracted because tapping mm-hmm. doesn't work if we're not being mindful, if mm-hmm. we're not actually paying attention. Yes. So it it is why we teach it to say it out loud. Obviously, if you're at home and you can sit quietly and focus, you can say it in your own mind, mm-hmm. but that is part of the expression of it is to keep you on track. Um, My other top tip is because sometimes people do kind of in the early days worry, am I saying it right? I can't remember what to say. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to say. And we say, why don't you do tapping on that? So why don't you do tapping on even though I don't know what to say? Because if you're carrying any level of worry or doubt that I'm not going to get this right, that might get in the road. So we say, why don't you just do tapping on even though I don't know the right words to say, I accept myself anyway. And you clear that out and then you Yeah, and then you'll be right. Yeah, or even though I don't think I've got a good memory Mm because that sounds like some people's worries. Just do tapping on that to start with. Because you can actually tap on some of the barriers to tapping at the start. Yes, doubts another one, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we've got another couple of questions just around almost like tapping troubleshooting. Um, So Scott asks, I'm not sure how often I'm to do the tapping. 
Is it mm-hmm. like a structured thing, um, like a few times a day, or is it? Do I do it just when I I have cravings? Um, and Carolyn kind of asks a related question, so answer these however you want, Peter. Um, mm. She says, "How can I get tapping before I've already started eating mindlessly?" So Carolyn said, <laughs> "I've half eaten a cake today, and thought, damn, I should have tapped on that." Yeah. Then had to do mental gymnastics to put the cake down and tap. And the good news is she didn't finish it, but she said, look, I probably could have started that before I started eating the cake. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, in the early days when tapping's brand new to you, you don't remember to do it. So I yeah. would say the moment you think, oh, I should have done tapping, start tapping then. Gotcha. So even if you catch yourself halfway through eating the, you know, Tim Tam packet. Just like Carolyn then, did. Yeah. yeah start tapping then, it'll probably at least halt how much you're eating. Uh, But what will happen over time is you'll remember to do it earlier, like Mm. when the craving first presents itself and before you've even opened the packet or something. So just start tapping the minute you become aware, I should have done some tapping. Fantastic. So just even if you're mid-eating, just start tapping. So that's that one. Um, Scott was asking, should I be doing it a couple of times a day? or just when I have the, I mean, initially it might be just when something comes up that Mm -hmm. that's when you do it. You might kind of have a feeling or a craving. That's when you do your tapping. We do suggest that if you want to really sort of conquer, say, weight as an area in your life, that you might start to make it a bit of a habitual daily habit. Mm -hmm. Maybe just every morning you brush your teeth, you also do five minutes of tapping because what will happen over time is you will get a a flow on and a build on effect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you might become aware of, things that you do want to, you know, take off to your psychologist to chat about or sit down and do a longer tapping session if you're doing it regularly, daily, and we say do it at the same time you do. So my car is associated with tapping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have an automatic so I don't have to change gears. (laughs) But, you know, if I'm like got an hour's drive ahead of me or something like that, I might go, right, actually there's a bit of quiet time, Um, you know, I can put the car in cruise control and I might be able to do some tapping. Yeah, and so, you just tap on whatever's coming up because there's always something to tap on, isn't there, Peter? Yeah, <laughs> it gets less and less the more you do do tapping because you've probably flicked out any of the minor kind of things that, you know, or food cravings or whatever. So mm-hmm. it does get less and less the more that you've done it in your life. Um, and I'm about 18 years down the track of tapping now. So um, a lot gets tapped on. But, yeah, <laughs> if you if you at least start to do it the moment something comes up for you, mm-hmm. you'll start to also see yep. it working. Yep. We've got also. I remember uh, we did for the the online program. We um, when we did the the trial of it with the the six hundred people worldwide. We 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 really wanted to use it as an opportunity to study the the tapping, but also to improve that tapping program. And we did have a lot of people who had this issue. It's like I just need to remember to tap at the right time. So we'll provide mm-hmm. a, a link in the notes as well to um to we we did up a couple of tapping reminders that you could just put on yeah. the fridge or on the pantry or somewhere just to remind your mind uh, to just to do the tapping technique. Yep, perfect. All right, Peter, give us one more. And I, I already think I know your answer to this, but I, I get this question or some version of it all of the time. Mm. Uh, Gina says, can tapping help with, with food habits or attitudes that have been ingrained since childhood? For example, a, a tendency to eat beyond your satiety as, as, a, as a toddler. Um, and sometimes there seems to be lots of different emotions, beliefs, 
triggers contributing to the quote unquote food problem. Uh, mm. She said, where do we start? Do we need to tap on every related emotion or belief separately? How do we identify all of the layers? And Peter, I know you've got a beautiful kind of metaphor about this mm. with a, using a table. Yes, we do. So, and I would highly recommend if someone wants, is aware that there's a lot there in childhood and they want to work through it with tapping to use, you know, the services of like yourself and professionals just to support you through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we often talk about that, you know, weight might be kind of a table top, like it's the top of the table. And if you just tap on, I feel overweight, you know, not a lot happens. What we look for in our analogy is that the legs of the table uh, are the thing that hold the table up. So we actually are looking for the legs of the table in someone's memories and life and things like that, that have given this issue in your life a tabletop, which is I'm now overweight. So we look for those and we do suggest that people start to write those down, like just make a bit of a shopping list of everything that you can remember that might have that you think might have contributed to being overweight. So that example might be, you know, growing up and I was four and I remember this happening and that was around food and you just write it down as a topic. And with that topic list, you can take that to obviously, you know, a psychologist or a counsellor that does tapping and they can help you and there's a certain type of process that we use when we've got old memories like that and we can one systematically work through those with somebody. Uh, Something else that's unique, we talked about borrowed benefits being one, but there's another really fantastic uniqueness to EFT and that's called the generalization effect where Mm. we might have a shopping list of all these memories from early days in our life to do with being overweight or food, wastage, anything like that. But you don't have to tap on all of them for the issue to resolve itself. Mm -hmm as in lose weight. So you only have to do the EFT or tapping technique on the ones that are the most significant. Yep. I remember hearing from from you, Peter, to, to talk, to think about the problem sometimes the, as, as a, a table and the the symptoms are on the top of the table, but of course mm. the table has these various legs, legs and, and you don't have to, the thing that's, that's, you know, struck in my mind is when you said you don't have to take out every leg of the table for the table to collapse. You might take that's out right. one and it's less stable. You take out two and it, and you, it, I, I, I actually, I wrote a blog that we'll provide in the, the show notes about how I used uh, tapping to deal with some, some, pretty heavy personal stuff that was going on for me and I found that unbelievably useful the fact that I didn't have to um, you know necessarily identify every single association with these challenges that were going on but just Mm. some of those few key ones and then the, the whole thing started to collapse. Yeah, it's a bit of a sigh of relief that you don't have to be tapping for the next 50 years of your life, you know, <laughs> just to relief. overcome a childhood issue. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. well, look, Peter, I, I think we've covered so much today and I, I really hope that um, that everyone reaches out to Peter because actually a couple of things that I wanted to let people know about before we talk about your book, Peter, is um, if you go to peterstapleton.com, uh, Peter often runs um, – upcoming trials and often the trials are, are free so if mm. you're interested in doing any any tapping and getting engaged with that then you can can join peter's um peter's mailing list uh and also peter is the the number one teacher of health professionals in australia uh, so if you want to go along and take it that step further and do your own training i would definitely encourage you to to do that if you see peter actually doing the work with people and you practice on yourself and you're all working on each other getting these 
expired benefits. It's a, a very cool thing. So head yes. to, to peterstapleton.com. Um, but Peter, before we finish up, tell us about the book. Yeah, so the book is uh, due for release in March 2019. So like you said, Glenn, it is titled The Science Behind Tapping. Um, Hay House is uh, producing that out of the US, so we're very excited. And come the Mind Heart Connect conference in May 2019, we'll obviously be launching it and have it available uh, for purchase. But March, you'll be able to buy it online. So the book really is written for the everyday lay community person that's out there. It's not written for academics at all because that would be very boring, (laughs) but it is written so that people can understand what the research is that exists out there. And to make it even easier, every chapter is a certain topic. So we might, for example, you know, have chapter four is anxiety and here's all the research that's ever been done on tapping Mm. and anxiety. I explain what it means and then what we've Mm. done throughout the whole book. So there'll be other chapters like on post-traumatic stress disorder, one on depression, one on children and adolescents, obviously the food craving weight, chronic pain, all those kind of things as well. But we've woven throughout the book uh, stories of our clients that went Uh. through trials. So people that might have been in the States and went through a certain trial for person have given us their story to say, here's what I was before I did that research trial and here's what happened after. So it makes it really nice to kind of read to sort of go, okay, well, actually there's a person that went through one of the research trials. Mm -hmm. There's what, what it means, but that's their story as well. So yeah, I'm really proud of like what it looks like now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going through its final sort of editing phase at the moment, Mm -hmm. but It'll be out in March, and I think it really will complement lots of the other great tools that are out there. Obviously, Nick Ortner's books on the tapping solution and lots of the different kind of individual topic books that are out there on EFT. It'll really explain how it works and why it's a fourth-way therapy. Yeah, I think that uh, it seems to me like it is just that missing piece, and Peter, you are the perfect person to fill it. So, oh, guys, Glenn, I didn't think so in the beginning. I had a bit of a nervous moment. Had did you to tap just, on it? I did tap of on it, of course. Of course you yes. did. Yes, no, it's all good. I feel good about it. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time. There have been, you know, I think that, that a lot of, there's a, a, you know, quite a, a percentage of our audience that don't know anything about tapping. So they've had a, a wonderful overview. But then there's also a lot of people that we see that know at least a little and sometimes a, a fair bit about tapping. So we really wanted to give them some real meat today in terms of what the science is actually saying about this, really getting into that new emerging research of why it works and how it works and I love those those three phases of memory reconsolidation and and I think that this has been absolutely wonderful those um those questions that that people ask too it's it is one of those things that if you you're not too familiar with tapping I think sometimes we as health professionals because we we know so much we forget those little basics so it's really nice to have you answer mm. those questions from from people who um uh, who who really want to sort of fine tune and get the most out of their tapping. We um, oh, thank we you, had, Glenn. We yeah. had hundreds of of, uh, of comments on the the Facebook group, so I just chose the ones that are that are really commonly uh, occurring. So if you're doing some tapping, mm. I'm sure that there are a lot of people who who will benefit from from those questions. And if you start to do tapping, then you'll probably have those questions, so you might want to to revisit it. 
Yeah. Thanks so much for the invitation, Glenn. I love sharing about it. So I hope, you know, at some level our listeners today have learned something new or even been inspired to go off and, and give it a go if they've never tried tapping. Go and check it out, guys. Check out peterstapleton.com and check out some tapping. Thank you for being with us today. As a special offer to listeners of this podcast only, we want to invite you to experience the benefits of tapping yourself through our Tapping for Weight Management online program. Many programs feature Peter's research, but this is the only program where Peter herself takes you through the technique and helps you apply it to get the amazing benefits that we were talking about in the podcast. The program is also the only clinically researched online tapping program in the world. We've had the benefit of a 600 plus person online trial with a two year and counting follow up period to be able to assess and refine and develop the program into what we know is the most comprehensive, user friendly and effective tapping program there is. And of course, we'll give you a discount if you visit www.weightmanagementpsychology.com.au slash online courses slash tapping for weight management, or if that's too long for you, just go to the website or check the links in this description. And if you enter the coupon code GMAC, that's G-M-A-C-K, you'll get 10% off the program, which is ready to start when you are. Thanks so much for tuning into the Glenn McIntosh Show. I am yours in delving into innovative evidence-based approaches that can help you improve the way you eat, move, feel about yourself, and so much more. And I'll look forward to seeing you soon.